told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and no bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The second scripture is Luke 9, verses 28 to 36, on page 733. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what they said. While he was still speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as it entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. so long ago that we heard your words of Jesus' baptism, and yet you reminded us today that he is your beloved son, with whom you are well pleased. And so again today we hear these words and listen to them, pay attention. Open our hearts this day, Lord, to hear the words of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, and to serve you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. An extremely wealthy man was on his deathbed, and he called his wife to him and gave her his final instructions. What I want you to do is this, he said. I want you to go and get two of the biggest, strongest bags that you can find. And then I want you to take those bags down to the bank and open up my bank account and fill those bags with as much cash as they will hold. And then, haul those bags up into the attic and hang them from the rafters. That way, as soon as I die, I will grab them on my way up. Well, the man's wife did as he was told. And the man died not long after. Now, several months later, after his death, the woman was up in the attic cleaning up some junk. Wait, lo and behold, she bumped her head on one of those money bags. And they were both still there, hanging from the rafters. It's just her husband had instructed her. 
And seeing her, the woman banged her fist in frustration. She said, I knew I should have put those bags in the basement. <laughs> well, no matter how many bumper stickers you see that say the one who dies with the most stuff wins, the fact remains you can't take your money or your stuff with you. There are no storage units in heaven, no banks, no barns. And listening to the word being preached doesn't always mean that we hear the word. It doesn't mean that we listen and learn from it. The word of God, salvation and spiritual maturity, does not rub off on a wandering mind or on a worldly life. And the, that's what the parable of the rich fool speaks about today. It speaks of the man's several sins. You see, he had several sins. He had, first of all, the sin of greed or covetousness. Greed is a craving or a desire for more. And covetousness, that's a dissatisfaction of when what you have is truly enough. It includes cravings for both material things as well as fleshly indulgence. It's desiring what belongs to others, snatching at something that belongs to someone else. It's a love of having. It's a cry of, gimme, gimme, gimme. Gimme, 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 I want more. And greed is a lust deep within a person. And so a person seeks to find happiness with things or with stuff instead of finding happiness in God. And it's greed or covetousness that gets so deep that it desires the power that things bring more so than the thing itself. It's an appetite for gain, a passion for pleasure. It's possessing things just for the sake of having things. John Rupert tells the story of a successful businessman. This man worked 14 hours a day, even on weekends. He thought the 40-hour week was such a good idea, he would do it twice in a week. And his goal was to be the best businessman he could be. And when he wasn't at work, his mind thought about work. So not only was it his occupation, it was his preoccupation. Now his wife tried to get him to slow down. She knew that they weren't as close as they once were. Because of his work, he hardly gave her any of his time. Instead, he gave it the office. In the back of his mind, he knew the kids were growing up, and he was missing it. The kids complained about the ball games that he missed, the meals around the table that he missed, the school concerts that he missed. After a while, they stopped complaining because they figured he's not going to change anyhow. The businessman told himself, I'll be able to spend more time with them, with them once things settle down. Besides, they've got a nice house, they've got nice clothes, they've got cool video games because of my job. Everything I do, I do for them. Deep down inside, he knew he would be living this way even if he didn't have kids. But it made him feel better just to say it anyhow. 
And he also knew he wasn't taking care of himself the way that he should. His doctor said he had some serious warning signs. High blood pressure, high cholesterol. Doctor told him to cut down on the sweets and stop going to McDonald's. But instead, the businessman stopped going to the doctor. He said there'll be plenty of time with that once things settle down. Wife tried to get him to go to church, but he said, Sunday is the one day I get to crash. It's the only day I get to sleep in. I don't have time in my life. I don't have room in my life for God in church. There'll be plenty of time for that once things settle down. One day he got called into the office of the president of the company. The president said, we've got a brand new account. We're going to be rich. And we have a lot of work to do over the next year or so, but it'll be worth it because we'll be rolling in the dough. And later that night, the businessman tells his wife, you don't realize what this means. We can relax. We can take life easy. We'll be able to take the vacations that we've talked about taking. But his wife said, I've heard that speech before. And besides that, there was one small tiny detail the minute the businessman had overlooked. There was an artery that had once been as flexible and supple as a blade of grass. And it was now as dry as plaster. And the blood cells could barely sneak through. And one day, while the man was anxiously watching the stock market and stressfully doing his work, that artery accumulated more and more plaque. And later that night, he was hunched over his computer, and his heart skipped a beat. And then another, and then another. And he gasped for air, and he clutched his chest, and he fell asleep. His wife woke up at 3 a.m. Where is he? Why isn't he in bed yet? And she goes downstairs, and she sees him slumped over his laptop, and she said, Figures, he'd rather sleep at his desk than come to bed. But she touched his arm. She realized how cold he was. And she panicked and she called 911. And they came to the house. But they told her he'd had a massive heart attack. And he'd already been dead for hours. People came from all over to attend the funeral. His work buddies said, Man, he was a great leader. He was a dedicated worker. He was a good man. His company paid for the businessman's headstone. It said, Here lies Barry. A visionary, an innovator, an entrepreneur. But later that night, God sent an angel to the headstone. And there the angel placed with his finger the word that God had in mind to describe the life of this wealthy, successful businessman. Fool. God said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you you will get what you have prepared for yourself. That's a more modern version of the parable of Carol Seagram in Luke 12. And Jesus is very frank with his diagnosis. He did not say that the man in this parable was evil. He didn't say that the man was wicked. He simply said, you fool. Why did Jesus use this harsh word? The man didn't deliberately set out to alienate his wife and kids. 
He didn't deliberately choose to be a self-centered, greedy man. He never said he didn't believe in God. He was simply too devoted to his life to the wrong things. He became too self-absorbed, too busy for the things that mattered the most. And that's the big sin of this world, desiring more and more and more. But a person's happiness and comfort, a person's soul and body, do not depend on what that person has. Because you see, many poor people are happy and comfortable with healthy lives, healthy souls, healthy bodies. And life does not depend on possessions. It's not mandatory that we have a beautiful home, the latest clothes, a new car, property, wealth, money, a new tractor or combine. There's the big eye, the lever eye. And this shows that the greedy man is aggressively self-centered. And the rich man in the parable says, I, six times, and my, five times. The man's attention went on himself. The man was blessed material, tremendously blessed. But you know what? He does not thank God for his blessing. He calls the fruit of the ground and the possessions that he has my crops. And he calls them my goods. And he had plenty of good things in life. He could eat, he could drink, he could be merry. But there was no indication that this man had given his soul to God. And finally, he became puffed up even more, prideful of what he had done. He began to think of bigger and bigger of I, I, of my, my. And that's the mistake of selfishness, self-indulgence, and extravagant living. Because as far as this man was concerned, his sole purpose in life was to be at ease, to have plenty to eat, plenty to drink, to enjoy life as he wished. And he thought only of himself and that life of ease. He gave no thought to helping others. He forgot that he lived in a needy world that was lost and dying. And he did put off living and enjoying life until he got his new barns built because he was a workaholic. He was consumed with the passion to get what he wanted. But the most shocking thing is he only thought these things. He never did them. They were only thoughts that he had. The Reverend Billy Graham once said, the Bible warns us that money cannot buy happiness. Money cannot buy true pleasure. Money cannot buy peace of heart. Money cannot buy entrance into the kingdom of God. If God has given you more than your neighbors around you, dedicate your possessions to Christ and realize that you are only a steward of what God has given to you. And someday you will have to give an account of every penny that you spent. The Eternal Revenue Service wants to know how you spend your money. But that's nothing compared to the books that God has given. So what happens next in this parable? 
It's God's judgment. God's judgment is accompanied by fear and death. Fear because life is required and demanded tonight. In the parable, God speaks next. Because it was God who knew the thoughts of this man. It was God who knew that the man was going to die that very night. The man didn't know it, and no one else did either. The man was going to die that very night, and everyone has his or her own day or night. The man's life was required, and God required it and demanded it. His soul was not going to cease existing. His soul would exist in another world. Because existence was not over for the man. The man's soul was merely going to be in another world, in a spiritual dimension of existence. The man was called a fool. He lived as a fool. He lived entirely for himself. He refused to think about the truth. He refused to think about the uncertainties of life. And there was a good possibility he might not live as long as he wished to live. There was another man. He worked all his life. And he saved all of his money. And he was a real cheapskate when it came to his money. He loved money more than everything else. And just before he died, this fellow said to his wife, Now listen, here's what I want you to do when I die. I want you to take all of my money and put it in the casket with me. I want to take all my money with me to the afterlife. And he got his wife to promise with all her heart that when he died, she would put all the money that he had into the casket with him. And sure enough, one day the man died. And he was stretched out there at the casket in the funeral home. And his wife was sitting there in black next to their best friend. And when they finished the ceremony just before the undertakers got ready to close the casket, the wife says, oh, wait a second. She has a shoebox with her. She comes up with the shoebox and puts it in the casket. Then the undertaker closes and locks the casket and rolls it away. Her friend said, I hope you weren't crazy enough to put all the money in there from that, with that stingy old man. And she said, oh yes, I promise. I'm a good Christian. I can't lie. I promised him I was going to put all the money that he had in that casket with him. You mean to tell me you put every cent of money he had in that casket with it? I sure did, she said. I got it all together, put it into my account, and I wrote a check. <laughs> Wealth is not a permanent possession. Eventually, someone else gets it. This man left every penny behind. He took nothing with him. Because you can't take anything with you. Because the strength, the energy, and the power, and the life of the body are gone. The Bible teaches that a person's body is the spirit, and the spirit lives forever. And when the spirit left, the man's strength, and energy, and power were gone. His spirit was spiritual another dimension of being. It belonged in another world. All material possessions had to be left behind. 
In Jesus' parable, God says to the wealthy man, you fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And so Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Don't let money, don't let stuff become your God. Let God be your God. And trust him to supply all your needs. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all of our blessings. Help us to have the wisdom to use them in ways that honor you. Bless others and bring joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 215 in the red hymnal. And please stand if you're already.